0: listening to Law & Gospel on this Monday, October the 19th, in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and kind of excited about this coming Sunday, which is going to be the day we observe Reformation, October the 25th, in the year of our Lord 2020. Among the readings is Revelation chapter 14, Romans 3 and John 8. We're gonna be taking a look today at Romans 3, 19 to 28. And I'll tell you why this is an important, very important passage. Martin Luther, prior to his understanding of law and gospel, hated God. He hated God for two reasons. Number one, God seemed to say that Martin Luther and all human beings needed to obey the Ten Commandments. And of course, Luther realized he could not. The second reason is God seemed to give the impression that we had to be righteous like he is. And of course, that's an impossibility. So upon those two wrong understandings of God, Martin Luther says he came to hate God. Then this passage from Romans 3 finally put the light on. And he had been talking to others who had a better understanding of the scripture than he had at that time. So in 1517, he came through with, of course, the 95 principles, but let's look at Romans 3 to see how it helped Martin Luther take away the burden of having to be perfect in the eyes of God in order to be saved. Verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world be held accountable to God. This is a statement from the Bible that is the very opposite of every other religion in the world, because for every other religion in the world outside of Christianity, the law is is something that we are to obey in order to be saved but this verse makes very clear the law speaks to those who are under the law now that phrase under the law is used a number of times in the bible and i like when i do a bible study i'll put a sheet of paper in front of the class and there'll be two columns one under the law and the other under the gospel. In other words, there are two ways to translate or interpret every verse of the Bible. If you interpret it under the law, you will be wrong. If you interpret it under the gospel, you will be correct. So what's the difference? Under the law means that you're under The thinking that obedience to the law is what saves you. Under the law, I kind of like to think of a a child who does not like the parents. Maybe the parents are mean, who knows? But they're under the thumb of the parents. They don't appreciate the parents at all. And, And so this is how I look at being under the law. Under the law means. That guess what? You better be good, or else you're not going to be saved. But this verse says that those who are under the law, the law speaks to them so that every mouth may be stopped. What does that mean? Well, those who are under the law, take a look at the Pharisees at the time of Jesus, the unbelieving ones. They believed. That they were saved by what they did they thank god they were not like evil people like tax collectors or prostitutes and the sermon on the mount though indicated that they were just as wicked because even if they did not do something by deed they did it by thought and by word and the law was to accuse us of not meeting the requirements of God, so that every mouth may be stopped. What does that mean? Now, Ephesians talks about that, so that we will no longer boast of our salvation by our works, and the world may be held accountable to God. So, Paul continues to explain why the law, Cannot save anyone. Verse 20. For by works of the law, that means we're obeying the law as best as we can, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. I mean, is that not the only verse you need in the whole Bible to show the purpose of the law? The works of the law are unable to save anybody nobody will be justified in his sight that means in the sight of god we can justify ourselves because oh look at all the good works i'm doing i'm helping to feed the poor i'm maybe nursing individuals who are sick and we think that those outward acts of the law are sufficient to justify us but They may justify us in our sight, but they don't justify us in the sight of God. What does that mean, to be justified in the sight of God? To be justified in the sight of God by works of the law, you would have to do enough good works of the law to balance out your sins. And God does not recognize a human being able to do that. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, in order to take upon himself our sin, pay for our sin. And and therefore, we're not saved by the law. We're saved by trusting the promises of the gospel. So no human being will be justified in the sight of God by means of works of the law. Because God has set up the law to show the knowledge of our sin. You you think you're a sinner or you don't think you're a sinner? Go through the Ten Commandments. And as you go through each of the commandments, you will find that you have broken every one of them. So what is this righteousness of God? The righteousness of God is that it is manifested apart from the law although the law and the prophets bear witness to it now here we have the same word law twice manifested apart from law although the law and the prophets bear witness to it now in the english the second law is capitalized i've said this a number of times That the same word can have different meanings. Uh, And the law is a good example. The first word, law, manifested apart from the law as the righteousness of God, means that that becomes revealed apart from our obedience to the law. Because the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Now, what are the law and the prophets? in the New Testament, we talk about the gospel and the epistles. In the Old Testament, you had the law and the prophets. The law was considered the first five books written by Moses, and the prophets the rest of the Old Testament books. So what Paul is saying here, that the righteousness of God does not come by our obedience to the law, but the law and the prophets bear witness to it, how it does come about. And verse 22 explains it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Wow. You know what that is saying? Is that you are declared righteous by God not by works of the law, but through trust in the promises. And that's what happened, according to the law and the prophets of the Old Testament. I'll just give you one example. Abraham was approached by God, and he was told that he and Sarah were going to have a baby. Sarah was already past childbearing age. In fact, she was 65. Uh, Abraham was 75. Isaac wasn't born for 25 more years. Wow. Sarah was 90. Abraham was 100. But when God told Abraham that, yes, you're going to have a child, even in the midst of no evidence that a woman could have a child at the age of Sarah, it says Abraham believed God. And God declared him as righteous. So there's one example of many in the Old Testament where people were declared to be righteous by God through faith in the promises of God. In fact, Paul continues in verse 22. For there is no distinction For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, some people use this phrase, for there's no distinction, and Galatians talks about no distinction between male or female, slave or free, Jew or Gentile. And they say, see, women can be pastors because there's no distinction. Well, that's not what that is talking about. It's talking about how do human beings become righteous in the sight of God? And there's no distinction between a male or a female. A male doesn't have a superior advantage in becoming righteous because he is a male. No, even women who trust in the promise of God, are declared righteous by God. That's what Paul means, that there's no distinction. Because all men and women have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's why the law can save nobody. But instead, verse 24, are justified by his grace as a gift. Now, the word grace there is referring to God's attitude, that he gives you something you do not deserve. Mercy is he doesn't give you what you deserve. Grace is he gives you what you don't deserve. So by his mercy, you don't get eternal hell, which you deserve. But by his grace, through faith in Christ, you get what you don't deserve, the forgiveness of sins. In other words, the burden of having to obey the law in order to be saved is taken away. This is tremendous. Now, does that mean we don't want to be obeying the law? No, it's kind of like, think of a family. You have parents and children. The children have no burden to become the children of the parents by their obedience. No, they became the children of their parents by being begotten or adopted. But does that mean they don't have to do good works? No. In the family, because of love for the parents, they desire to obey the parents. And that's the way it is within Christianity. We desire. To obey God, once we realize what God has done for us in justifying us by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. But what is this redemption. To redeem somebody in Jesus' day could mean to buy someone out of slavery. We were enslaved by the devil, He had us under the impression that our works are what saves us and that's why it often leads to two things either hatred of god or atheism there is no god but then when we realize the righteousness that god gives us through jesus christ wow what a difference that makes verse 25 talking about christ jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, not by works. Now, we don't often use the word propitiation in everyday language. But what it means is that somebody became our substitute for paying for our sins. And that was Jesus by his blood shed on the cross and therefore we received that redemption by faith we did not receive it by works going on verse 25 this was to show god's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins now what does that remind you of passover yes the people enslaved in egypt the israelites put blood over their doorway one night and the angel of death passed over all doorways that had that blood on it and that was signifying of course the blood of christ because the angel of death would pass over your sins. Uh, One way the Bible explains that is that in Christ, you are not held accountable for your sin. It would be like being put in prison because you robbed a bank. And then the warden comes to you and says, guess what? You are no longer being held accountable. Now you still did the crime, but not being held accountable, you are freed from the prison, even though you're still guilty. That's what Christianity is all about. That guilty people are no longer held accountable because they trust the promises of Jesus Christ. And therefore God passes over their former sins you're not held accountable. Verse 26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one, what? Who is obedient? No, who has faith in Jesus. This is very, very important. Because a lot of people say, well, how can God forgive sins? Uh, That doesn't sound like he's very just. Well, he forgave sins because Jesus paid for your sins. That's the just part. It's kind of like, let's say, I get a speeding ticket and I go to court and the judge says, okay, uh, Three days in jail or a hundred dollar fine, but I don't have a hundred dollars, so am I going to go to jail? But my father, who's in court with me, he lends me the hundred dollars. Will a judge accept my father's hundred dollars for my crime? And the answer is yes. So, also, God accepts Jesus' sacrifice for my sins. And that is how his righteousness is given to me. We we talk about the glorious exchange that occurs in our baptism, where we give Jesus our sins. He pays for them, and he gives us his righteousness. Well, this was a real awakening for Martin Luther that the righteousness demanded from God was a righteousness that God himself gave through a gift to a person, not who is obedient, but who had faith in Jesus Christ. So then Paul, uh, talking to, let's say, unbelieving Pharisees, then what becomes of our boasting, and they were boasting, of course, of their good works, that they were better, and that therefore they were saved by their works. Paul says, it is excluded. The boasting is excluded. How? By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Now, here's another example where the word law means something different. We've already seen that works of the law means salvation by our works, and that the law and the prophets refer to the books of the Old Testament. What's the word law mean here? It's the word principle. Paul is saying, by what kind of principle? is our boasting excluded by the principle of works that we have done? No, we we can't boast about that because we all fall short of the glory of God, and we are accountable to God. So it's not by the principle of works. No, but by the law of faith. The principle of faith. Uh, you, You hardly need another verse in the Bible to show that a person becomes righteous in God's sight, not by any obedience to the works of the law, but by trusting in the promises of the gospel. And what is the works of the gospel? The works of Jesus Christ. He suffered He died, he rose, he ascended. Therefore, verse 28 is a wonderful summary of this entire passage. For we hold, this is Paul saying, that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. One doesn't need a better reformation theme for this coming Sunday than that, that we're justified by faith. And we gotta be very careful what that means. You are not saved in view of your faith. No, it's not faith saves you in the sense that it becomes the foundation of your salvation. The foundation of your salvation is the cross of Jesus Christ, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But how do you come to receive the benefits? God, the Holy Spirit, creates faith in your heart. Remember, it's the fulfillment of the request by King David, create in me a clean heart and a right spirit. And through that creation, which the Holy Spirit does, we now believe the impossible, that a man, a carpenter from Nazareth, was God himself who died on an accursed tree to become a curse for us so that we would not die eternally. The task of the Christian church and the purpose of every sermon is to tell people about the gospel promises from Jesus Christ. And through those gospel promises, we come to receive the righteousness of God himself. So this is why a pastor wears a white surplus because that is not his righteousness, but the righteousness of God. And it's true that every person who has faith is wearing that white garment, that wedding garment. Remember that one parable where the master comes into the wedding feast and somebody doesn't have on the wedding garment? Well, he's excluded. From the wedding because that shows he does not have proper faith. So if you want to tell somebody about the Reformation, the main point to make is that the righteousness that is required for salvation comes through faith, not through our works. It is a gift from God. On tomorrow's law and gospel we're going to be taking a look at a hymn that sounds like it just contradicted what i just said at least the title the title is the law of god is good and wise well we'll have to wait till tomorrow to see what is meant by that with mark smith i'm tom baker God bless you. Listen
1: the Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9:30 on KFUO. For a tax deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, PO Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.